Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. For our very long await, we've been getting messages, emails, snail mail, daily asking, when are you doing good horror movie month? You've been talking about it forever, but we're finally here. Uh, We'll see if we make it through the month, but we are finally here. And this is good horror movie month, which uh, is done in honor of A Quiet Place Part 2, which by the time you're listening to this is probably already out in some places. Not for me here because we are in like a full lockdown and Manitoba is now the COVID hotspot of North America. Congratulations to me. Uh, hey, first place in something. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we don't win in hockey. <laughs> we don't matter in life. So we got to win at COVID. For those of you who are able to see A Quiet Place Part 2, tell us if you liked it. And we're going to do some more good horror movie sequels. And it's actually funny because Right before we started recording, I thought to myself, we're calling this, in quotes, good. For those of you who can see me on the video, which is one person, Rossi, uh, quotes, good horror movie month, because it is subjective. Some of these are just our opinion if it's good or not. And some of them, we may not even both agree if it's good. We could also call this good horror movie month, in quotes, horror, because this first movie we're doing here, maybe sort of more thriller horror, who knows? We could also call it so good horror. And we'll, we'll get bigger as we go on. Like, this is the low, low yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. The, the least horror-like. But let's also say this could be good horror sequel month. Sequel in quotes, because <laughs> these are all very loose sequels, too. Or yeah, we'll on, just... On the Instagram post, make sure you put quotes around every word. Yeah, exactly. This is good horror sequel month with... Rossi <laughs> and Colin. maybe you should put month in quotes too because we're probably not recording this in one month <laughs> exactly everything's in quotes here today <laughs> uh but we're starting it off with 10 cloverfield lane the sort of not sort of sequel spin-off whatever you want to call it to the original cloverfield movie uh which this movie came out in 2000 and something or other uh as i don't have the page six 2000 i thought it was uh, more recent it, it came out post 2012 because i remember jamie and i saw this in the theater after we were married uh 2016 no, this... wow wait this movie yeah this was 2016 oh i thought you were talking about the original uh cloverfield oh like, are we it was like you, 2000... you didn't take notes on the original cloverfield did you <laughs> no no anyway <laughs> I got 10 clean on the top of my notes here. Okay, good. <laughs> 10 clean. <laughs> uh, the start of our good horror sequel month. Uh, and we're going to bring you all the excitement from this movie. My name is Colin, and look at this poor cat. He's been deformed. He's got one eye. He's about to go snorkeling, too. Uh, and my name is Rossi, and I think we're alone now. <laughs> Um, the only thing I wrote down resembling a quote, so. <laughs> I got one more for the end, so I'm glad you didn't take my other one. Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, 2016. I honestly thought this movie came out a little bit sooner than that, but uh, five years old now at this point. Well, there and, was a, there's another sequel, like the Cloverfield yeah. Paradox or whatever, well, so. That's the fun thing about this movie is that it, it it's not a straight sequel to Cloverfield, and I guess we can briefly talk about the original Cloverfield as well. Uh, But when this movie came out, uh, I guess close to when it came out, people didn't even know it was a Cloverfield movie. Like this movie is in production. It was announced. There was a release date. It had a different title. And then I remember maybe only about a month and a half before the movie was supposed to be released. The first trailer was released. I think around the time of the Super Bowl or something. And 
all of a sudden the internet exploded. They're like, there's a secret Cloverfield movie that's coming out. And they sort of followed that with the, the other sequel that came out after this Cloverfield paradox, but nobody knew there was a Cloverfield sequel until this movie was weeks away from being released. Uh, but going back to the original one, I remember seeing that when it first came out. I would love to have Jamie on for that episode because uh, that was the one time that she said, I can't stand this movie. Let's go. And walked out of the movie theater solely because she thought it was too noisy. <laughs> I remember she was covering her ears. She had her hood on. She's like, I can't take this anymore. Let's leave. So I had to finish. love The Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the <laughs> ultimate movie for her. <laughs> but uh, I, I like the original Cloverfield movie. I don't think it, it was anything groundbreaking. We sort of seen those found footage horror movies, just a straight monster movie. I always thought we could make a good sequel out of this. Uh, but then when 10 Cloverfield Lane comes out, it looked completely different. It sounded completely different. And I saw it and it was completely different. You really don't even realize there's any potential connection to Cloverfield until you get to maybe the last 20 minutes of the movie. And even then, I feel like you could watch this movie, not know there ever was a first movie called Cloverfield and just think it's its own standalone thing. But do you have any history with uh, either Cloverfield movies? I saw the original Cloverfield in theaters uh, and whatever year it was, we were debating 2007 or <laughs> whatever it was. And I just remember like sitting there and then I sat through the whole movie plus credits. Cause I remember my friend was like, there's a special like after scene mm. after credit scene or something like that. We didn't get that. So I don't know if that's true or not, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I loved that movie. And so like, yeah, like you said, like coming to this, I was like, I knew that they were connected. Like I knew the history of the connection of the movies is like not really a connection of the movies it's like easter eggs and little like tidbits of like <laughs> oh this looks similar it sounds like so i knew of that but like i was surprised how non-existent the history of the original was yeah um so much so that this could be even a prequel in my mind mm -hmm. like or a simultaneous like this is happening at the same time as the original yeah just like they're in the south and that was new york or you know there's so many like theories that I could make up about this that it's just like which is probably what they were get going for but like mm -hmm. it's just so disconnected it was it was very interesting to watch so when the script was originally written the, the the first script that the studio picked up it was just called the seller it didn't have any connections to Cloverfield and then around uh, I guess pre-production time when they were starting to put it together and J.J. Abrams became involved in hey would you like to help produce this movie they started to notice that there were similarities between this script, the seller and Cloverfield. And I've never really been able to see if it was confirmed that it, they decided when they were in pre-production, I've even heard one story that they were in the middle of filming this movie. Cause I think some of the actors at one point said in an interview, they were filming this movie and then it was in the middle of filming. They're like, Oh, by the way, this is going to be a feel, be a Cloverfield movie. I've heard some of the actors say, I didn't know this was a Cloverfield movie until that first trailer was released. So it really was partly done probably just to keep it secret. But the origin of the movie was that it was supposed to be something different. And you're completely right what you said about this could be a prequel even because when this starts, we'll kind of go through the movie. Uh, this would all be before the events of the original. And depending on how long they're actually in this shelter for, you could say that, you know, the, the events in this might have taken place when Michelle's passed out and then, it just goes on from there. But I mean, it's completely cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, but I, I, once I saw this movie, I wasn't really loving the idea of, hey, when before this came out, hey, we have a sequel that's not necessarily a sequel. It's its own standalone thing. I was still thinking I would kind of like to see a real Cloverfield sequel. But then once this is over, I'm like, this is a great idea for a franchise. Did you ever get to see the third one, The Cloverfield Paradox? Not yet. Um, I heard not out. so good things about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rush um, out. Uh, that one as well, it was the same thing as this. The script was supposed to be something else called The God Particle. And they decided at some point during production, we're going to make this third Cloverfield. And also, are you aware that there was supposed to be a fourth Cloverfield movie that they did the opposite on? It was a Cloverfield 4 that before the movie was released, they decided we no longer want this to be tied to Cloverfield and just removed all references. That, uh, so, so weird. Like, I feel like they, well, I was going to say they hit gold, sort of gold here mm -hmm. with like, okay, we're just going to take a random script and add Cloverfield to it. Then like, based on what I've seen, they did the third one and they added Cloverfield onto it. And it's like, what, didn't strike the mark. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how it would go if they were to take a Cloverfield movie from the beginning and like know that they're going to do that. Like, and then change, like, it just seems weird. I don't know how that would yeah. work. Well, the fourth one, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I still haven't seen it. it ha- it's on my Netflix watch list forever, but it's called Overlord. It came out a couple of years ago. It was released theatrically too, unlike um, the Cloverfield Paradox, I think it was straight to Netflix. And uh, from what I understand about it, it, it would be like a very, very early prequel where it takes place during World War II involving Nazis. It's like a Nazi slash monster movie, uh, which sounded and looked really good. But that movie what was announced as it was going to be called Cloverfield Overlord or something like that. And then it was very close to the release date when they said, now it's just Overlord. It's not going to have any connections to Cloverfield. But now they finally said they are working on a proper Cloverfield sequel, like a straight sequel to the original. So this idea of all these side stories has kind of gone away. But uh, I, I like it either way. I think this movie proves what you could do with just a spinoff and still satisfy an audience. I mean, it's still a good, you know, arguably good movie regardless. <laughs> like, because I'm just take away the overfield parts of being, you know, concept of, the, you know, this man, like, fearless panic. So, and then he, like, kidnaps a girl who's replacing his daughter, who's replacing this other girl mm-hmm. that he kidnapped or something. Like, it's, it's, like, interesting, like, psychology at work that you could just be invested in that, let alone, you know, this monster parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, now a little bit of uh, history on this movie just from the production side uh, the original screenwriters you know had already kind of left the project and it was being rewritten by a guy named Damien Chazelle who later would go on to do uh, direct the movies Whiplash and La La Land and uh, First Man the Neil Armstrong movie uh, of those three movies the only one I liked was Whiplash but I love Whiplash I think I rank Whiplash in my top five movies of the decade when we did that list uh, a year or two ago. Uh, so Damien Chazelle was reworking the script. This was pre-Whiplash even, but then when Whiplash got greenlit uh, and he had a chance to do his directorial debut for a movie he'd been working on, he left this project. And they brought in this other director, Dan Trachtenberg, who uh, had done short films. Uh, and he does an incredible job on this movie, like especially for a first-time director. But I'm kind of shocked looking at his filmography that he's only done two other directorial efforts since then. Uh, and they're both just episodes of TV shows. He did an episode of Black Mirror, an episode of The Boys. Uh, did you watch either of those shows? Nope. I thought that you had said you watched Black Mirror before. I thought maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I mean, I definitely will could potentially watch it. It was an, It's an interesting concept, but I haven't mm-hmm. actually seen it. The episode, I haven't finished watching The Boys yet, but the episode of uh, Black Mirror he directed, that, that's kind of an anthology. It perfectly fits in with Cloverfield because it's just an anthology show. Uh, and he did an episode that dealt with like a virtual reality whack-a-mole game, which was quite fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, he comes in and first-time director pulls this movie off. Get a good cast for this. I'll quickly talk about the cast here. Everybody knows John Goodman, right? Uh, were you a fan of the Flintstones growing up or, or Roseanne maybe? Uh, I know him from... Oh, maybe I don't. No, because he's not. I always think he is. He always, he sounds like the father from Hercules, but that's not him. Her, which Hercules? Um, the original, the Disney. The, like, oh, his but voice sounds like it? It sounds, it, it's ripped torn in oh. the movie, but it sounds so much like John Goodman. Um, no, he's in uh, Emperor's New Groove, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen Emperor's New Groove. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I mean, he's most well-known, obviously, for Roseanne and the Flintstones. Uh, World Brother, where I know are I've now? heard him Big before. Lebowski. You've seen Big Lebowski, right? Uh, what about another one? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, no, he did do the voice in uh, Emperor's New Groove. You're right about that. Uh, okay, so I've heard him before, and I, yeah. and I know of him. I've heard, uh, I've heard him. Uh, but the the live action Flintstones movie, I mean, that I think I'd seen Roseanne, but I mean, I was a little bit young to really get Roseanne at the time, uh, or even now. But uh, played Fred <laughs> Flintstone. Whatever age appropriate for Roseanne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Big Lebowski, I would I would jump all over you and be like, you've never seen the Big Lebowski, but I'm gonna be honest, like I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan, Fargo. Uh, Old Brother Arthur was decent. Uh, Inside Lewin, da- Lewin Davis. Uh, um, every literally every movie that they made, True Grit. I'm a massive Coen Brothers fan, and Big Lebowski was the one movie that everybody always said, "Oh, this is such a masterpiece." And I I could never watch it. I never brought myself to watch it until 
probably six months ago. So I was that guy who you've never seen the big Lebowski before, but check it out. He's great in it. Uh, but John Goodman, uh, the other two actors, there's only three actors in this movie. Uh, the other guy in the movie who's in the shelter already, when we get there, John Gallagher Jr. He's been in a few things that I've seen, but he doesn't stand out for me. He's a Broadway star. Like this guy's a singer. I always find it funny when you have these actors and you realize they were in broad, like they're a singer, but because you don't see them singing, you look at them like, he doesn't look like he could sing, but I mean, this guy was a pretty decent Broadway star. Now, the third actor in this movie, who's, I guess, the lead star, is the one I'm most excited to talk about. Uh, please tell me that you've seen or love Mary Elizabeth Winstead in something else other than this movie. So I don't, I remember looking her up when I saw her, because I knew she looked familiar, but I don't remember what I might have seen her in. She looks so familiar, though. Uh, she's done mostly horror movies, but like good horror movies. I mean, she's done some bad ones like Final Destination 3 and Black Christmas. Uh, but she did the uh, the remake of The Thing, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which is a blast. Uh, she also played um, Bruce Willis's daughter in the Die Hard movies, uh, at least the recent ones. Uh, but the main one, mm. which is the movie that I will do at some point, but I have to wait for the right time uh, and also have to wait for about 12 hours to record it. She's the female lead in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, AKA the greatest movie of the last 20 years. Uh, you have not seen Scott Pilgrim though, have you? No. We're I mean, it's it. on my radar because of you. Yes. I will say. Uh, Jamie pretty much is already aware of this, but Mary Elizabeth Winsett is on my replacement wife list if Jamie ever dies. Uh, and she's okay with that. Uh, also, right. she's done two two things very recently that uh, she's kind of started to break through later in her career. One was the TV series Fargo, where she starred in the third season, uh, and also the Birds of Prey movie that came out, the, the Harley Quinn spinoff movie from last year. Uh, my initial disappointment with that movie was that it didn't have enough Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, uh, and I disliked the movie until I watched it a second time, and then I was okay with it, but... Uh, I mean, she's great in this movie. She's great in everything. Uh, that's my opinion, at least. Uh, please tell me you're on the Mary Elizabeth Winsett bandwagon. Can we do a Mary Elizabeth Winsett month? Sure. <laughs> There's some good material in there. Come on, who doesn't want to do Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Uh, why not? <laughs> you can bring your American expertise. About the, I don't know anything about the... For me, maybe there were vampires Abraham Lincoln fought. I'm Canadian. I don't know any better. Uh, but uh, three leads in this movie, very simple movie. Uh, we can pretty much jump into it. You know, this is not going to take us that long. Uh, and it's not because this isn't a great movie. Uh, I think there's there's a couple things we sort of talked about off air. Uh, this is a very simple movie. It's one location. Uh, <laughs> a lot of scenes do kind of just, you know, blend in together. Uh, I think more importantly, it, it's a fast paced movie. And it's not like we're going to have a lot to make fun of here because it's decent. But um starting off i'm gonna say it's slow paced you think it's slow like when i i think not slow paced in that it like drags or anything Mm. but like my immediate like comparison for this movie is like clue um, oh yeah where it's like movies take place in one setting they don't leave it they don't go outside i mean like she goes outside but like rarely very very little Mm -hmm. like it takes place in this one place but in clue they're like we're gonna go here and then they're gonna run there and they're gonna run back and they're gonna go down Mm -hmm. and the people are going upstairs but some are going downstairs whereas this it's just like they were playing, uh, you know, this game. And then they were Monopoly. at the table and like he went to get water from the kitchen, but he grabbed mm-hmm. the, the scissor. Like it's very like slow, like well, paced no, in that way. I completely agree with what you're saying. I think for me, the fast paced part of this is just that there's really no scene in this movie that lasts longer than say 90 seconds. Uh, it's just, let's move on from one thing to the next. But this is definitely a more slow burn movie than especially the original Cloverfield. Uh, probably more than the Cloverfield. Yeah, halfway too. through, I was like, "Where's the ho- where's the horror of this?" Like, I was like, yeah. "This is kind of slow." Yeah. No, but had you seen this movie before when it first came out? No, I I knew some of it. Like, I knew she escaped the the house or whatever, mm-hmm. but I didn't know like why she was there in the first place or how oh, she okay. got there or all these. I like, didn't know all the details, but I knew she was in this place. He kept her there, and she but she got out. That's all okay. I know. I mean, you just described the movie, so we're done the recap now. <laughs> That's right. it. Um, I will rent it. Oh. <laughs> now, just uh, just to kind of give people a bit of um, uh, an explanation here. 
uh, I will frequently refer to Michelle's character throughout this movie as Ramona Flowers because that's her character in Scott Pilgrim. And that's what I noted as most times in my notes. Uh, I also am going to mention- you told that to me before we started and you're like, Ramona was so good in this scene. I was like, who's the Ramona? Uh, but also I went through my notes. Now we've been trying to get this done for a couple of weeks. First I wasn't available. Rossi wasn't available. Uh, I finished watching this movie, I think two weeks ago. And you think you know a movie well, because I've seen this a couple of times, but looking over my notes just before we recorded here, half of them, I have no clue what I was writing. So uh, we're going to see if Rossi can fill in some of the gaps in my notes here. But if nothing else, my notes are going to be amusing just to read. So Ramona Flowers starts this movie by packing. She's leaving. She's going somewhere. And this movie is very subtle in not giving you the backgrounds of any of the characters. Uh, you mentioned with John Goodman, we still don't even completely know the story behind him. Uh, but with Ramona Flowers, uh, you see that there's a couple of rings on the counter. Uh, you know, she's leaving. She leaves her keys there. You pretty much instantly get the impression, you know, she's leaving her husband, boyfriend, whatever. So she drives off. She does get a voicemail when she's uh, uh, driving, which is her fiance basically begging her to come back. Uh, and then we get the car accident. So this movie jumps right into it. Big car accident. A truck comes up behind her. And the next time you see her, she her leg is chained up she's in some type of bunker cellar whatever and she's got an iv attached to her uh she tries her cell phone there's no reception and then john goodman gets introduced here howard uh our villain of the movie and the most interesting thing i find about john goodman's performance is that there are moments where you're like this is the nicest guy i've ever seen but yet there it is something so unsettling about how polite he is and then they don't leave it just at that. They don't just make it where he's sort of an unsettling polite. He will explode out of nowhere. And you're like, okay, that's why he's unsettling. Like, I just love his performance in this movie. Uh, and He's and like a, a Canadian serial killer. Yes. That, like, <laughs> he's fully like terrible human, like does awful things. But like at the core, he's like this Canadian who's like, oh, sorry. Like, I hope yeah, that you're exactly. comfortable here. Like, it's just... <laughs> That is the best description ever of Howard. He's a Canadian serial killer. <laughs> like you can't forgive him like because he's like being polite because it's like this weird passive aggressive like yeah. I saved you so you better be nice. But like mm -hmm. he's like polite like make sure you get eat and like all this stuff. But he's like terrible. You know what? He's very stern dad to me. Like it feels like I mean we know that he has a daughter. Or he has a daughter. <laughs> There's the quotes coming out again. Uh, and there's moments of this where he feels like he's kind of just being a parent and he's treating these adults like they're nine-year-old kids, but in more of the, you know what, I know what's best for you. Yeah, that's- I mean, a, a little more than that. Like I'd say a predatory kind of parent. <laughs> a bad, uh, a bad stern parent. Predatory parent slash Canadian serial killer. We're just going to keep piling on the descriptions I mean, he gets very uncomfortable in so many scenes, especially when you find out that like, He's making her wear this shirt that this little girl yeah. that he killed wore. Like that that's very uncomfortable. <laughs> like. Uh, but he's not the only one who's a little bit uncomfortable in this movie. <laughs> but uh, uh, when he gets introduced, he basically says he's just keeping her alive. He explains the accident. Uh, he says, well, she says something about how the oh, people are going to be looking for you. He says, Don't, there's nobody looking for you. And uh, she has crutches there to help her get around, but he's not letting her out of there. It's like, oh, you're keep the IV on you. You know, I'm going to nurse you back to health and he leaves. Uh, she decides to sharpen her crutches and she starts a fire in the vent in her room. Uh, and when he comes in, there's uh, a tranquilizer. Now, this is where my notes get confused because I put tranquilizer. Did she tranquilize him? Did he tranquilize her? He, um, syringed needle her in the neck and then okay so he tranquilized her okay now yeah. my notes make a little bit more sense see this is where we're filling well, in the gaps he stabbed her like he or she stabbed him in the like chest mm -hmm. but like barely did anything yeah because i guess he's a big guy and, and like could take it but like and then he just <laughs> takes her out one two three he can take it he's a man <laughs> uh so Obviously, there's something a little bit threatening about him, but but I think the first time I saw this, I was still buying, you know, he's actually doing this to protect her. But part of it is that he never tells people. He just sort of says, you're going to have to take my word for it. This is going on out there. And that's one of the things that becomes unsettling about him is that he could just say, listen, 
there were explosions. There was this, but he just, no, just trust me. And he is right. <laughs> we find out the end. He's right. Not that he handles this the right way, but he's right. What happens, but he never fills them in on anything, which is kind of where that, that whole parent talking to nine-year-old things come in. Well, so much of this in the beginning for me until she like gets to see outside for the first time, like, is like, how much of this did he set up? Mm -hmm. Like from the beginning, I had a hunch that he caused the car accident. Yeah. Um, but like, how, I was like, how much of this did he set up? Is he setting up, like, is the bunker, all of this just faked? Was the woman that came at the, the door, was she fake? Mm. Like, I was like wondering how much of this did he set up just to capture her <laughs> or like a girl of, of, of similar appearance, you know? It's weird because I've seen, this is probably the third time I've seen this movie. Uh, I saw it first when it was in theaters. I saw it, you know, maybe a year or two after that. And I saw it again now. Uh, but I think the movie made such a big impression on me the first time I saw it that I can't really remember a lot of my thoughts when I saw it the first time. So it's interesting you're kind of going through, I was thinking, you know, maybe this isn't real because maybe I was thinking that the first time. It's just, I remember everything about this movie other than my notes. I remember everything very vividly. So I don't really look at it as anything other than what I know the ending is. But it would have been great if we had some Mission Impossible style ending where all of a sudden you see the walls pull away and they're all on a soundstage somewhere <laughs> or a virtual, well, virtual reality headset comes off. Yeah, my thought is like, why would he be so cagey about what's going on mm -hmm. if like, like he can't control this. Like he's like, hey, listen, I saw the car accident, even if he caused it. Like I saw the car accident. I say I brought you in here. Like I saw what was going down. Mm -hmm. Like just tell her everything. Like she's not yeah. going to. And one way, more want to run away, she'll stay more, you know? Like, well, once we get introduced to Emmett, it almost makes a little bit more sense, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, so he gives her the, the parenting version of what's going on, says there was some type of an attack. Uh, he says, uh, it might have been the Russians, it could have even been the Martians, who knows? <laughs> uh, and that I think is great too, because it almost is, if you're looking at it from her perspective, or even from the audience watching this the first time around, you're thinking, Martians, this is just a weird conspiracy theorist, which is even how Emmett poses him later on. But again, he turns out to be right in the end, which is funny. Uh, and here's another one of my notes that I have no idea what's going on. Um, eat, sleep, appreciation. Does that mean anything or could that have been a typo on my part? Can I say that again? Eat, I put eat, sleep, appreciation. <laughs> I don't remember that. And I saw it very recently. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this, if that note, eat, sleep, appreciation means anything, uh, call and let us know. We will give you one month Patreon free trial. <laughs> uh, Patreon's still a thing here, by the way. Uh, so Emmett also is introduced here. Now, this is uh, the thing with Emmett that um, I, I say kind of ties into why Howard gives so little details because Emmett's the dumb guy of this movie. I mean, he is gullible. He buys anything. And I kind of just get the impression if Emmett's been here for a little while or even he helped, basically he helped Howard build this place. He was just a hired hand, you know, who knows how long beforehand. Uh, Emmett's not the type of guy that if you explain to him, listen, there was an attack, there were explosions. I heard some radio chatter. These are my theories. He's not going to understand that. So he talks to Michelle like a child because he talks to Emmett like a child. I don't know. That's just my opinion, maybe. I don't know. At a certain point, I was like, he talked about his family and I was like, how much of this is replacing what he lost? Mm -hmm. um, but Emmett's like such a weird thing. Like in my head, like it makes sense. Like he lost daughter. He lost other girl. Yeah. Michelle. Yeah. Um, but like, how does Emmett? Who fit? is like, Emmett? That's just like, he, who is he? Like to like, not his <laughs> wife, clearly. Like, well, I don't, I don't know. There's so much of his backs of uh, John Goodman's backstory that we just don't know that like makes it mm -hmm. hard to understand this. Uh, maybe that's coming in Cloverfield 6. We're going to get the prequel with him. One of the other things with uh, Emmett here playing into the whole parent of a small child is where he's referring to Emmett, where he's talking about him knocking over the shelves. And he's like, which he's very sorry for. <laughs> I just love the way that he just talks down to Emmett here and Emmett just takes it. Uh, there's the moment where uh, Ramona Flowers needs to go to the bathroom. And he's like, I can't go with you watching me. Uh, so again, he, he's very creepy, but... The way he explains himself sort of makes sense if you're thinking this is just some weird paranoid guy. I, I still don't think I was absolutely thinking this guy's a serial killer. This is a Canadian serial killer at this point. Uh, I do have several notes here I'm going to need some help on. First of all, I love that he presents 
all the stuff that she, you can, you know, we got stuff. It's just like a regular house. We got DVDs and VHS. He still has VHS in 2016. That's fun. Uh, do you have any VHSs? Not anymore. <laughs> I mean, VHSs are going to make a comeback one of these days. I've got VHSs that I've got stored in a box somewhere. Maybe they'll come in handy if we ever get the end of the world coming about, but uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't have a VCR, so I don't know why I'm keeping them. Uh, but uh, this house, it looks dated. It looks kind of, I don't know, 80s-like. Uh, so I don't know how long ago this shelter was built. Like, did they say in the movie that Emmett helped him build this or he helped him build part of it? I think so. Because everything, so maybe that's just Howard's style. He just took old stuff out of his basement, like wallpaper and wood paneling and <laughs> threw it in here. Uh, there, here's, here's some of my notes that I don't understand, okay? Uh, Seatbelt alarms. What do you do when an alarm goes off? Uh, <laughs> does that mean anything to you? Seatbelt alarms. What do you do when an alarm goes off? No. All right. If somebody out there can explain that note to me and the first one, you will get two free months of Patreon. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, we're just going to assume that I was, I don't know, loopy from COVID uh, since I'm in the hotspot for it. Uh, what other notes do I have here? Um, I love the description here about crazy is building an ark after the flood. Again, that one makes sense why he has the shelter. There are a lot of paranoid people out here. And this one I Googled because my note made no sense. I'm like, who are Frank and Mildred? Cause I wrote in my notes, Frank and Mildred, but those are the pigs. That's when he takes her. She's insisting, Oh, I don't believe this attack happened or whatever. So like, all right, let me show you something. So he takes her up to the, the door and you can see the pigs just dying out there. So we know at this point, if this movie had just all been placed in inside this, bunker this bomb shelter whatever i don't think i would have been as crazy about it but but the fact is they throw little things at this where you start to doubt maybe this guy's just crazy maybe he's just a serial killer keeping them here and he's going to eat them later on or cut them up and wear their skin as clothes like something hannibal Lecter style uh but then he shows you no something did happen you know i'm i'm telling the truth um we'll kind of break there for a second anything you want to cover all the way up until we actually find out that something happened outside we just don't know what yet well i kind of like her character um it's the really successful horror um like victim that Scream i like queen. in which they're well i just want to say in general like it's not it doesn't have to be just like for women but like the character who's like smart but they're not like superhuman yeah like she was smart. She's like made the fire. She sharpened the thing. Like, but she didn't like overpower and kill him mm-hmm. or like do something life, you know, crazy. Like, and that's kind of what she does. And like, so I love that. Like, you saw Ready or Not, right? Yo, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love that movie. Same kind of character as her. Mm. Like smart, adaptable, but she's not, you know, gonna start killing people all of a sudden because that's just horror movie time. Like, let's yeah. get the axes. <laughs> like, that's what I liked about her. So like, you know, she was doing smart things, but she wasn't like crazy, like plans or, or crazy strength all of a sudden. Smart enough um, to catch a guy like Howard off guard, but not smart enough to outsmart him necessarily. Yeah. And, and like failing in the plans and then retrying mm-hmm. that, like being willing to do different things each time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's what I really liked about her. And then the other thing is even with the pigs, I was still convinced that he had set this all up. <laughs> like, he just slaughters pigs was... before he slaughtered. This this is what serial killers start. They start by killing small animals. They work their way up to humans. I didn't doubt the like, because I knew this was a Cloverfield movie. So maybe I was like, oh, there's potentially like unknowns. But like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just still didn't trust that he was purely like, we're staying safe here. Like, I don't know. There was just all of this weird stuff that I still couldn't trust yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Emmett? Do you, do you like Emmett as a character? I do. I just, it's still so weird. I don't know where he fits. <laughs> like, I feel he's, he's the character we get most backstory on. Yeah, exactly. Potentially because he. Well, that's basically the next the part of the movie. movie. He gives his full story. But I mean, he's the only one who's willing to talk about his backstory as well, you know? True, true. I, I like him. I think he's a fun character. I think that. He's obviously, you know, the dumb character, but I think he's got like some clever in there. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think he does some say some things or do some things that like work. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's a fun addition. If he's in total drama, he's a herald. He's the one where you're like, no way am I going to take this guy seriously. Then out of nowhere, you're like, oh yeah, okay. This guy's smarter than he lets on. Some quick moments of brilliance. <laughs> exactly. Small flashes of brilliance. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, we do get Emmett's story here, or at least a, a little bit of his backstory. Uh, I love his description of Howard saying he has a black belt in conspiracy theory. Uh, so again, let's still plant this. You're, you're going to take take the audience, make sure that they are doubting whether this was real. Show them Frank and Mildred, show them the pig, show them, oh, it is real. But then throw a line out there saying, you know what? There's still something weird about this guy. He's he's a weird conspiracy theorist. Uh, they also talk about what well, maybe this was Al Qaeda or Russia, or South Korea. And I love, is that the crazy one? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Referring to Russia, South Korea, Al Qaeda. Uh, and, um, when she's saying, you know what, I think there's something wrong with Howard. I think he's lying about all this. And he says, no, he's not lying. Cause I saw the attack. So now again, we've said, okay, conspiracy theorist, we're going to make the audience doubt again, but now we're going to confirm it. This guy, this very honest guy says, no, the attack was real. I was there. Uh, and Howard comes and interrupts it. So we don't even get that much out of it. But again, just this back and forth that they play with the audience. I don't think I fully appreciated that the first time or even the second time I watched it. But this third time, it really stuck out to me how many times in the script they go out of their way to make you doubt whether this is real uh, and then to fully convince you it's real just to mess with the audience. It's like part murder mystery in that like... Mm-hmm you're like not sure what's what's right what's wrong and like and like layer by layer like more is uncovered especially later with the photo of, of Megan mm-hmm. not being Me- like there's just so many different moments where it's like unfolding and I, I think that that was an interesting part of it which definitely confused me I was like what's <laughs> what like like I know what Emmett's saying is right but like why is he doing this it's just like confusing yeah now the most uncomfortable scene of all the Howard creepy scenes in this movie I actually think the simplest scene is the creepiest one, which is the dinner scene that's coming up here, which might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Uh, I do have a note in here that I don't understand, though. Why did I write Emmett's forehead? (laughs) He has a forehead. Maybe something stuck out about it. So did Ramona, whatever her name is. Ramona Flowers has a forehead. Fred Flintstone has a forehead. We'll get back to that. If, if one person, a single person can message us explaining my notes and all three of those things, you have now earned a three free month trial of our Patreon. We'll get multiple perks that we will get around I to one of these do this. Yeah, Rossi wants that Patreon. He's trying to beat you guys to it. This is a puzzle. It's like a 10 Cloverfield Lane. You're just trying to figure out. It's like an escape room. Yeah, exactly. This is, uh, this is, oh, did you ever see the movie Escape Room? No. No, it's not great. I mean, if you're going to watch like a really crazy horror comedy movie, watch Ready or Not, don't watch Escape Room. But uh, there's a couple of fun scenes in Escape Room. But we, we we are absolutely doing Ready or Not for Halloween this year, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> we talked about lots of things. I feel like that's when we have to do it. Uh, I, I've been telling And we agree. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we already know we both love this movie. Uh, I didn't think anything of it, but yeah, I'm so excited for that. We may just put it in here by the end of the month if one of these movies uh suddenly gets canceled uh in our present culture <laughs> we're just gonna throw ready or not in there for no reason whatsoever uh but th- the dinner scene uh the way that they're trying to sort of pass messages back forth or or hide what they're doing and um uh she uh, what was it it was a napkin and the salt or something like that and then howard just blows up them i know what you guys are doing it's just such a creepy scene uh, they they do play Monopoly too. Uh, again, every time they just do regular everyday life things, like there is something about Howard where you feel like this is how he wants to kill his time. Like Howard wants everybody to live the life he wants to live. He's happy living in this shelter. So he wants everybody else to be happy. He's happy just watching his VHSs and playing Monopoly. He wants everybody else to. But then the flip side of this is kind of what you were saying about, you know, what is he trying to replace here? So the fact that he is basically forcing these people eat dinner the way I want you to eat, you know, be polite, say, please say, thank you. You know, uh, don't talk that way at my dinner table. Like these are all sort of things that, that these scenes play like, and then we're playing monopoly. 
it is almost like he, he's replacing his kids here. So uh, there's no mention of him having a son, but I don't know, maybe, maybe Emmett's a son that was a terrible disappointment to him. and He doesn't want to talk to him. Maybe Emmett became Megan in real life, or maybe Megan became Emmett. I don't know. Let's we're, we're writing our own box backstory here. What are your I theories? <laughs> I don't know. These are probably some of the most uncomfortable scenes though. Oh yeah. Um, like, even and especially when they start playing the music it's mm-hmm. just like you get like chills because like it's just like his like mind at work like it's mm-hmm. all him even though it's like a three like out of body view like it's not through any of the lens of the characters mm-hmm. like we're seeing this as a third person but like it's all his like fantasy yeah and it's just like so weird that like you know Pictionary and this and that and whatever it's just like and it's just, it's so weird. It's, pretty it's in pink. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> the grown man watching Pretty in Pink. Um, I, I've never seen Pretty in Pink. Maybe it's something that a grown man would watch. I don't know. But uh, so at one point, Ramona Flowers uh, is actually going to see the outside uh, because somebody's at the door, <laughs> the outside door that Frank and Mildred are at later or earlier on. Uh, there's a car outside. Mm-hmm. There's a very aggressive lady who wants to be let inside. Uh, and <clears throat> Basically, Ramona Flowers here gets thrown back in her cell. We don't know what happens to this lady until later on in the movie. Uh, and this is where the theory comes out where she's talking to Emmett and she's saying, uh, you know, hey, this is what happened. Howard caused that accident. This is because of he's trapping us here. Who knows what for? There's nothing wrong outside. Uh, or he asks her to stitch him up at this point because he now he's got the wound. He tell he like tells her, you're going to stitch me up. Yeah. Because it's like, you're, you're a mess. You've got to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he has and this... She- alcohol whatever it is he has that made his own vodka (laughs) yeah uh i distilled it i didn't say it tasted good (laughs) such a great line (laughs) and then her her response to that was probably this this movie is like subtly funny uncomfortably funny at many points but there's that one part where after he says i distilled i didn't say it tasted good and she goes yeah that was awful (laughs) that that part actually just actually makes me laugh out loud uh what was the spray that he this is like critical information but what's the spray is this in your notes and you don't know what it is (laughs) no because he uses a spray on the can that he's drinking from and then this is the can that she uses to spray the lock to get out um what is it do you know what it was i well i would think if i was to guess i would say it's something like um what's that frozen stuff that will freeze things instantly oh um I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. but I can't think of the if name. If somebody can answer the question as to what that frozen stuff that freeze things instantly, we won't give you the Patreon, but we'll give you one point on our scoreboard here. Liquid uh, liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Yeah, maybe it's like a liquid nitrogen in a can. Uh, I sp- thought it was air, but I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> a lot of air. Uh, but uh, we find out that she was, her backstory here is that she was a clothes designer. Uh, and uh, or, or the daughter was the clothes designer. Is that something they had in common? Was the daughter a clothes designer or is it just her? Because this is where we find out. Yeah. I think she was some sort of artist or something like that. Yeah, because that's going to be important to her here. And when he mentions that his daughter's gone here. So I think that's why I was thinking that. Because the whole, is she replacing his daughter now? Uh, And uh, there's there's a little bit of montages. They're kind of putting their plan together. uh, Doing puzzles and board games and all that. And here's some of that creepy music you were talking about. Uh, and one of the VHSs they pick up is called Cannibal Airlines. I don't know if you caught that. I want to see if this is a real movie here. Uh, we'll we'll come back to that later on in the episode. But if Cannibal Airlines is a real movie, we might consider uh, covering it. Apparently it's not. It's a fake movie. That's sad. Uh, but it would be fun if it was a real movie. This is kind of like a grindhouse thing. You know, we're going to create a fake movie within a movie that one day will get its own movie. But great name for a movie, at least Cannibal Airlines, coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, and this is that, that my opening line in the movie where he's doing the puzzle and they're missing pieces. Look at this poor cat. He's been deformed. He's got one eye. He's about to go snorkeling. too. <laughs> he's just so dis- sincere and disappointed. Uh, now the shelter starts shaking. So we'll, we'll cut it off uh, here in a second. Uh, but as the shelter shakes, something's going on outside. It's helicopters. The warning light comes on and we find out that the, the, the air filtration system, uh, their air purification system is gone out. So only one person is going to fit into the ducks, actually turn this thing back on. And it is Ramona Flowers. Cause she's the only one small enough to go in there, even though she doesn't want to go in. And this kind of poses a bit of a problem for me because if they don't pick her up, 
are Emmett and Howard just dead at this point? Like, I feel like Howard has a plan for everything and he wouldn't build something that he couldn't fix. Yeah, it seems weird. Um, Cause there's only for one way sake. Yeah. Like it's only one way in and that's that outside hatch, mm-hmm. but he's not going to go outside yeah to go back in like he's not gonna do that um yeah so i don't know how he would have replanned this like maybe it was like a last you know rushed effort or something because of the yeah collapse i don't know Uh, or or, you know yeah yeah we have uh an attack coming i saw something in my telescope there's something coming crashing down to earth emmett go get some ducks and he comes back to emmett i told you to get the large not the medium it's like oh too late now uh way to go that's why he mistreats emmett the whole movie because he got the wrong size of ducks Uh, But when Michelle is going into the ducks, she actually sees something that's been scratched into a window that's up there. Uh, And there's the earring. So now the question is, is this the daughter, our quotes continue, the daughter in this movie, uh, as she shows the earrings uh, after looking at the picture, I think she looks at the picture first and she sees these earrings match the picture of his daughter, Megan. So now what was daughter megan doing up there scratching her way out of the shelter you know was she killed what uh i love the little dance that howard has here too they're part of this montage before he watches pretty in pink again just canadian serial killer he's pleasant he's jovial he's uncoordinated but he's charming and he also is going to kill you and uh they put the plan together emmett and um ramona here uh, of how they're going to escape we'll leave the big plan for later on, but uh, anything else you want to cover up until this point before the escape plan comes together? I really like the scene with the the vodka. Um, I thought that, that was really interesting. I, some of this movie did is a lot of things where the, we see something and then they incorporate it later. Like when mm-hmm. they go outside to see the pigs, like she sees him unlocking the thing individually and she memorizes yeah. the keys and then she ends up using that later. Uh, same thing with this like air canister or whatever like she ends up picking that up later um and so all these little things especially and then with the photo you know they look at it later um so that was just like a really clever how they did all that and then the other thing about like this is like when really starts picking up with the 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 help uh Uh, that was like just like a really crazy moment that i didn't see coming where it's like this person was killed and they left an earring who is it? It's the photo. And then Emmett's like, that's not his daughter. Like, I know, because I would have met her. Like, this is someone I went to school with. Mm-hmm. Um, she went missing two years ago. And we haven't seen her since. Uh, and like, in short, she he probably killed her. And yeah. like, they dropped that photo where she's wearing the same shirt that uh, Ramona's wearing right now. And it's just like, that's like when things are like, really like that's when you see how messed up his like fantasy is because he's like replacing you know that girl probably replaced his daughter who's now replacing who's now being replaced by michelle so it's just like and it's like getting out is more critical now Mm -hmm. than it was before the howard backstory is honestly like it's very rare in a movie where you get backstory of a character that's just alluded towards where you legitimately think this could carry a whole movie, but this Howard backstory could be its own movie. Like that's how interesting it is. I'm sure there's a comic book out there somewhere or, you know, the novelization that goes more detail, but I kind of like not knowing it, but it has me questioning enough about this movie that if there was something out there, I would probably spoil it for myself, even though it might spoil the movie for me, Uh, but it's great. This is like, like there are probably movies who have have this exact same plot or similar esque plots or like, criminal minds episodes that are like mm. this um so like it's interesting on its own but they sort of dismiss it really quickly like mm. after this discussion it's all about getting out and yeah. like being safe in the outside like so that's pretty interesting how it just gets glossed over i mean it's critical information and they don't forget it mm-hmm. but it's just like so swept under the rug at this point now here's the moment where we see that Emmett is a little bit smarter than he lets on probably not much smarter but a little bit smarter than he lets on uh, because after uh, Ramona Flowers and Emmett here have hatched their plan, okay, we got to do something. Uh, they don't really tell you what the plan is, but he just goes to Howard one day and says, hey, you know, when she was up there, she could have been contaminated. And Howard's like, yeah, so? And, he's like, and she showered, yeah, so? 
So that shower curtain be, could be contaminated. And he could just be like, oh, you got to get rid of that. But instead, he's like, I don't know if it bothers you, Howard. But he knows Howard well enough to know that this is going to bother him. It's like so, picking, yeah, picking at him. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's pressing his buttons, you know. Oh, I don't think this is, I don't think it's a big deal. It's probably nothing. But eh, if it matters to you, Howard, you might want to throw away that shower curtain. So Howard does. And of course, they pick it up. And this is going to be their formation of their bodysuit. So they're still taking the precaution. Because Emmett said earlier, I saw there was some type of attack. They're still believing we have to at least take this precaution. And this shower curtain, as well as some, you know, plastic bottles is going to form these hazmat suits that they make for themselves. Uh, another I mean, one it was my... a pretty funny scene before uh, this, like, gets started because she was drawing in the magazines, mm-hmm. like, over the people to draw a fashion thing. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, when he showed, when she showed him, it's like, I got an idea. And he's like, 10 ways to braid your hair or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And she's like, no, this. And then that's when they start. Like, that was just a funny, like, another one of those quick, funny scenes. Oh, I should say there's another part that really makes me laugh out loud. I can't forgot about this one. Uh, and that's when they're playing, um, uh, what's the, I can't remember the name of the game. It's not charades, uh, 20 questions, whatever it is. What, what do you yeah, know? The, the one, the words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have something like a, a word or a title of something and you have to, without giving away what it is, get the person to guess what it is. And in this case, Emmett has little women and everybody in the audience gets it because he's like, you're not big, you're, and he's like little. And then everything else after that, he's like, okay, I'm a man. So it would be, and he, Howard is guessing, this is where Howard's not as smart as you think he is. He's like, uh, girl, uh, child. And then when he's, he starts using Ramona, AKA Michelle as the example, she would be a girl, child, little princess. And then the time runs out and he goes, it was woman, Howard. It was fine. Next time, be more specific. I thought that was so uncomfortable. Uh, of course it's uncomfortable, but it's also just hilarious that Howard, this genius, is that dumb where he can't guess little women and he's, he blames Emmett for it. I don't think it's dumb. I think that he was just so wrapped up in like the replacement of the little girl. Ah, you know what? I hadn't even put that together. Like he's You're smarter so, like, than you let he on. He sees Michelle as this like little child. Yeah. Like in the girl's like t-shirt. I mean, we don't know how old his daughter or the other girl that he, that was killed mm. were let's uh, figure young so like teenager they, at the most yeah like they were they weren't like tw- like 10 or anything like that but they weren't as they old weren't as any of these yeah and he's like little princess like oh <laughs> no i you know it's funny because i hadn't i hadn't even thought about that the fact that howard very subtle thing they throw in the movie here all of his descriptions, especially once it comes in that he's referring to Michelle, he's mm-hmm. referring to his girl. Like he's not thinking women. And that that's the issue here. But I, the scene plays, I think in all ways, it plays is really subtle just to show Howard's backstory, his character, what could have happened before. I think it plays is kind of funny. It also plays as very uncomfortable. Those are the best scenes with Howard are the uncomfortable ones. Uh, you rolled your eyes there. <laughs> I mean, they're good pieces of film um not the best scenes to watch like it chills yeah well that's why this is good horror sequel month because this is scary uh so at this point um this is kind of just gonna be the escape from the movie uh but the second part of the scene where it gets extremely uncomfortable this is the scariest part of the movie it's not even any of the action that's gonna come up but when howard just starts saying i know what you're doing i'm always watching and Emmett is about to break because you think they're talking about their escape plan, them making these hazmat suits because he's so intense when he's saying this. And they just let it drag on and on. And then all of a sudden, he, um, Ramona Flowers here just guesses, Santa Claus, you're Santa Claus. And you realize, oh, that's part of the game. Like that fooled me, even this being my third time watching the movie when he starts saying, I know what you're doing. I'm always watching. And and I'm like, oh no, what, what happened here? Did I forget a part of the movie? And it's just Santa Claus. Like, If there's one moment in this movie that really gives me chills, it's that moment. Part of me still thinks it was like part, you know, a bit of both. Oh, yeah. Because you wouldn't just explain to Santa Claus is always watching you. I know what you're doing. Like, you know, like you don't. For a guy who thought there was a book, Little Princess, maybe he did. But again, that's my misinterpretation. You're not. His tone was not the same of like, oh, Santa Claus. He knows what you're doing. He knows. That's not the attitude. (laughs) I know what you're doing. I'm always watching. (laughs) 
Yeah, like that's the tone of Santa, not the what are you yeah. doing? I know what's going on. Like no, completely. I, I, th- and again, the scene plays better, uh, like a lot of scenes in the movie, especially anything with Howard. It plays better when you can interpret it so many ways because you never know. The fact that we never know what the motive of his character was, what the background of his character was, it also makes sense that any of the scenes with him, you you can't one hundred percent conclusively say was he being just you know. Uh, uh, ignorant here where he didn't know the difference or was he messing with them and you know he's just got a little bit of that Canadian serial killer in him yes Agreed. <laughs> I don't know I had nothing <laughs> nothing bad the thumbs up that I got visually the hold on thumbs up in quotes that I got <laughs> uh, so wrapping up the movie here we, we get the escape because uh, at this point um, Howard calls them all into a meeting and uh, he, he has them move this barrel. Uh, he, again, he doesn't tell them why. This is the dad. I, I want you to uh, help me move this, okay? Why? It's like, I just said to move it, so move it. So they move this giant barrel. He opens it up, and it's some type of acid that just eats everything. He's got the gloves on. We don't know what he's doing. And he pulls out the scissors that they were using to make the suits. Uh, so this is when we know 100% he's on to them. They're going to have to do something. Uh, and... Um, Emmett takes the fall here. He says, no, this had nothing to do with her. I was doing, uh, I took the scissors. I wanted, you know, her to be impressed by me because you're such a strong, powerful man that she respects so much Howard. So I wanted to to be that. So I, you know, wanted to impress her. Uh, And then he's like, okay, fine. And then he pulls it. He he also has the mask that they're hiding. So (laughs) this is where Emmett is killed. He shoots Emmett in the face. Uh, and dumps his body and the body is being um slowly disintegrated here and ramona makes her escape uh she's got the suit that he didn't realize what they were doing with uh she spills the acid it's all over howard's face there's some pretty gruesome stuff in here i love this movie goes completely from being psychological to just outright graphic horror movie yeah yeah yeah, it is very graphic here uh the escape there's a lot of stuff that goes on here but the main part is her suit rips on the way out and she does make it out the door, but when she makes it outside, the audience probably completely expecting, oh, it's, it's going to be something, not not anything like Howard was saying. We start seeing explosions in the background, and then a giant spaceship appears. And this is where the surprise for anybody who didn't know what Cloverfield was or didn't realize this was connected to Cloverfield is blown away. We got spaceships. There's monsters running around. Uh, personally, I think that the, the monsters we see here, I mean, the monsters in the original Cloverfield are terrifying monsters. But I actually prefer these ones. I think that somehow they're scarier in this one than they are. They're they're different from the original, uh, and we have a bit of I an mean, action. You really, it's less of a focus on the monster. Yeah, like Cloverfield is all about the monsters. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's a little different to to read, you know. Yeah. And, and we also have multiple versions of the monster in Cloverfield, whereas this we kind of just get this one thing that it's. A, I, I like that it was a different design in this. I think that could be one of the other things is that it's not what you're expecting. Uh, she has a big action. And it's been a lot of years later, so they could improve their yeah, quality of, of even the design. On a, even on a low-budget movie, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she burns the interior of the ship, and um, we see she as she's... A mo- yeah, Molotov cocktail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into the interior of the ship. This is the Independence Day ending here, up yours. Uh, the thing blows up, and as she's pulling away in, the, the lady who was trying to break in earlier his car... Uh, we see the address 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I, <laughs> I guess it was important to have that in here. And as she listens on the radio, there's two things they're saying. Uh, she's picking up these transmissions. Okay, we figured out there's a way to fight them. We're asking anybody in the area to either go to, uh, I don't remember which one is which. They're saying, go to Baton Rouge if you're in need of medical assistance and you need a safe place to hide. Go to Houston if you want to help fight these. We need volunteers. And we don't know, I can't remember which city was which, but the whole idea is she, she gets up. right. Yeah, let's say it's that. Uh, the crossroads, is she going to turn to Baton Rouge? Is she going to turn to Houston? And she turns to Houston, meaning she's going to fight these creatures. Uh, I remember seeing this the first time and thinking, you know, this is now the sequel to Cloverfield. And where are we going to pick up and thinking, okay, the next Cloverfield movie will be the direct continuation because now we've got the fight. But I mean, even if we never get the follow through on this story, I think I still think it's great that they found a way to tie it in here without it being so obvious. Yeah, it's subtle and uh, d- different feel, which is which is interesting that the same kind of concept of this monster, you know, destroying the world or, or or sort of alien or whatever you want to call it, 
like it's done in two different ways, completely different. Um, and I don't know if it's the third, what, what goes on with that, if that has any relation <laughs> to the monster or not. Well, but like, I, I, it's just I'll, like it's, well, keep, keep going. I'll, I'll say at the end of this. I don't know. I just think it's interesting how they did it. And I think that it, it, it like shifts genres a little bit, you know, it's thriller and then it's like real horror and then it's like monster movie. And then it's like sort of zombie apocalyptic at the end. Like hmm. it, it goes through different stages. Uh, the only thing I'll say about the third movie here, Cloverfield Paradox, uh, is that it's, well, two things I'll say about it. One, it's not a good movie. And two, once you see Cloverfield Paradox, you realize that all three of these movies could essentially be told in the same timeline, which is kind of interesting because you you sort of end Cloverfield Paradox realizing it's almost exactly parallel with where the first Cloverfield takes place, where this takes place. So you could imagine one of these days, somebody's going to come up with an ultimate cut, editing all three of these together. Not that that would be very good because you'd have a little Cloverfield Paradox up in there. Uh, but still great movie. Uh, critics, what did they think about this movie? Uh, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think this is actually a higher rating than the original Cloverfield movie. Uh, box office, movie made $110 million. So uh, comparing uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane to the original Cloverfield, I thought it was much bigger because I remember the first Cloverfield movie just being huge when it came out. But I think part of that was just because it was a low, but both of these were low budget movies, but the original Cloverfield movie made $80 million domestically uh, and $172 million worldwide. This movie made $72 million domestically and 110 million worldwide. So not that much separating the two movies as far as box office goes. Uh, I would think if this was a lower budgeted movie, you know, it probably turned a better profit, uh, but both were successful enough that they could do a third movie. Um, won't go through all the reviews here. Uh, we'll just say Bill Zwecker of Chicago Sun-Times gave it four out of four stars. So this is probably one of the top reviews out there. Continually gripping and extremely engrossing. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg helmed the film with artistry, imagination, and skill for precision. I completely agree with that. Uh, plot keywords. Um, let's pull those up in a second. Uh, while I'm pulling this up, Rossi, tell us about The Emperor's New Groove. Is it worth checking out for John Goodman? John Goodman is the heroic lead. Um, good is, guy. Um, is he actually the lead in it? Uh, second, I'd say second. Uh, it's kind of, there's only four real characters in the movie. He's one of them. So. Uh, good. I don't know if I can even find plot keywords because IMDb has completely changed their layout from our last episode yeah, to this one. It. We'll do the next one. We're going to skip it. I will give one bit of trivia on here. Uh, another J.J. Abrams, uh, I guess you could say J.J. Abrams helped discover this guy. The, the voice of Michelle's boyfriend in the voicemail is Bradley Cooper, who J.J. Abrams kind of gave his first big break in Alias to. Uh, so that's our cameo of the movie. It's not, um, as Jamie calls him, Fat Keanu Reeves, Greg Grumberg. I don't know if you're familiar with Greg Grumberg, who cameos in all J.J. Abrams movies. Uh, we did get the Cloverfield Paradox. We got Overlord, which was erased from Cloverfield continuity. We're going to eventually get a new Cloverfield movie. Um, we can rate this thing now. So Rossi, your first time seeing it. First, I'm just curious for the original Cloverfield movie, would you have bought, rented, or been that one? I probably would have bought it, but like there's part nostalgia of seeing it a long time ago, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then this one? But I'm going to rent, but this one I'll rent. So you'd buy the original and rent good. this one? Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe because it's emotional attachment. I, I can't say for sure. So you're like a big fan of the original Cloverfield? Yeah, I don't know if it's on my top 50, but uh, oh, I should that see if it's on my me. top 50. We have to do your top 50 still. That's that's about two years in the works now. That's okay. It's not done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> It'll be done by the time the real Cloverfield sequel Anyway. Uh, I would say I'd probably buy the original. I would have originally said I would rent the original Cloverfield, but again, disruption from seeing half a movie in the theater and then having to watch the other half of it like a week later. Uh, but I, I well, having rewatched the original Cloverfield, I actually think that movie holds up way better than I would expect it to. So I would buy that. But between these two, I mean, I actually prefer 10 Cloverfield Lane. I would 100% buy this movie. Um, and it's currently ranked number one on our good, good horror sequel yes. rankings. Uh, we have three more movies lined up, Rossi. Quickly before we go, I don't know which one we're going to do next because Jamie does want to be part of one of them, which I'm thinking will be our next movie. But uh, let's let's hope our next one is Doctor Sleep. Uh, also, we're doing The Strangers Pray at Night, which was not a huge movie, but it's one that I actually really enjoyed. And then A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, which I think we're both very excited about, even though 
some people think that that's an awful movie, but it also has this new reputation now where some people think it's a work of genius, which I kind of think it is. We'll see. Uh, quick thoughts on Dr. Sleep, if we are the next one to do that. Have you seen Dr. Sleep? Because you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm guessing you yeah. haven't seen Strain. You've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street too? No, I I've never seen any of the movies we're going to watch. Oh! Um, I know of the story of the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's why I, yeah. I suggested it. <laughs> but I'm very excited because I just recently watched The Shining for the first time. So that's why I was super excited for Dr. Sleep. And uh, I, I'm sure you've seen it already. Jamie got a Mother's Day present, which she, by the way, this isn't my idea. Jamie for Mother's Day said, can you get me Dr. Sleep? I want to have Dr. Sleep. So that's why she wants to join I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Mary Elizabeth Winstead, her co-star from Fargo and Birds of Prey, and also her partner in real life, Ewan McGregor. So we'll continue on. Hopefully Dr. Sleep next week. Um, we'll be back with other stuff throughout this month. Lots more 24 to come. And uh, Rossi will join us hopefully next week if we have Dr. Sleep, or if not, something else. My name is Colin. I'll be here every week. So. <laughs> I'll be here every week. <laughs> uh, my name is Colin, little girl, child, little princess. Uh, my name is Santa Claus. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.